Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. Proverbs 29, if you've got your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 29, verse 25. We've heard this, Proverbs, read this one a month, all right, there's 31, I read this every month, and if I happen to miss a day, I go back and catch the previous day and read this one, the, the, the day that we're on, but um, Proverbs is a really great book, it's, it's written by the wisest man outside of Jesus, by Solomon, he started well and ended very poorly, all right, but Proverbs 29 Verse 25 says this, it says, the fear of man brings a snare. The fear of man brings a snare. Maybe it's coming up on the side screens. We can bring it up. Got it? Okay. Um, But the one who trusts in the Lord will be protected. The fear of man brings a snare. That word brings also means gives. So the fear of man actually rewards you with a snare. All right. What is a snare? Biblically speaking, a snare is, um, is bait or it's lure or it's, biblically speaking, it's barbs that attaches itself to someone. I loved watching mountain men. I think one of my favorite characters was Tom. And uh, I don't know if he's still alive. I haven't seen any of the, the, the ones now. But he would go out and trap beavers, but he was also trapping wolves as well. And so he would set these wolf traps and he would cover them up really well. And then he would come back a few days later uh, and he would either there would be a wolf attached at the end and he would have his rifle and kill it or it would have chewed its leg off to get away from the snare. And many of us have been ensnared by something, broke free from it, but were wounded and were maimed and were bleeding out. And so tonight it can happen through the fear of man because the Bible is explicitly clear that the fear of man brings a snare. It gives you a snare. And a snare, I, I, I remember growing up as a kid, my, my uncle Tommy, he, he would go and, and set rabbit traps in the back in this big pine thicket. And I, would, I remember a couple of times I walked out there with him. And so he would go out and put cabbage or lettuce in these traps and hide them really good. And the rabbit would go in, trip the wire, and then it was trapped from there. And, of course, as a kid, you're watching him. I can't say this on here because Peter might be listening. Not really. I'm not that big. But... Uh, <laughs> But he'd kill them, and then that would be supper for him and my aunt that night. But I do remember how the traps functioned and operate because there was a way to get in, but there wasn't a way to get out. And that's the way the enemy wants you to think, well, you've gotten yourself into this. You can't get out of it, all right? And that's just with any bondage, but you can be free, but especially with the fear of man. Because a snare is very elusive. It's meant to be elusive. It's meant to be hidden, and it's also meant to maim till death. That's what it's meant for. To drain your life, there's the, the power of life is in the blood, right? And this is what happens to a, phys, a natural trap. But to you, when you're, when you're bound in the fear of man, the struggle is, is we don't want to admit it or maybe we know it, but we don't know how to get out of it because we don't know how to comp, confront somebody in a healthy way. Most confrontations that I've seen people have explode and go to the next level. I'm like, why do you do that? You can have confrontation without taking it to the, to the jailhouse. 
You know what I'm saying? You can have confrontation without going out in the front yard and throwing, you know, throwing paws. I mean, I don't understand this. It's like, can you talk to somebody, have a conversation? It's like when somebody say no. No, I do not want to be a part of this, or I do not want to go where you're going. It's easy. Inner healing is something in the church that we need a whole lot of. But the problem is, is pride. And I say in the church, it's the capital C. But you understand that all inner healing is the removal of the root of fear. Most of people's issues and problems are derived from a place of fear. That's where anxiety comes from. It's where depression comes from. It's where all these things, because we don't know what the future holds, all right? In saying this, let me give you this, because there's a couple of statements I don't want you to leave tonight without getting them in your spirit. This is not original with me, but let me tell you this, as it pertains to the fear of man, if you live by the praises of man, you will die by their criticisms. If you live for the approval for men, now, this is men and women, but if you live for the approval of somebody, at some point, their approval is going to turn to disapproval. Their, their, their words of praise are going to turn to, to, to destruction because eventually they will turn on you because they're, they're, they're not perfect, but that's what you're living your life for. So what you need is deliverance from the fear of man, but also you need deliverance from yourself. That's one that's tough. Now, I'm, again, I'm going to share some things with you tonight that I personally struggle with as well, so um, that I have. Because here, look at this. Jesus is walking into Jerusalem, and what are they saying? They're taking the, the palm branches, and they're waving them. They're saying, Hosanna. Well, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Then just a few days later, what are they screaming? Crucify him. Jesus knew the hearts of all men, so he wasn't living for the praises of men. He only did. His eyes stayed on the Father the whole time. The Bible, he said, I only do what I see my father doing and only say what I hear my father speaking. His eyes were on the father the whole time. He knew it was in the, in the hearts of men, so he, he understood how to remove himself from places, situations. He knew when to go up to certain things and when not to go up to certain things. Fear is a spirit, okay? The Bible says he hasn't given me a spirit of fear. It's not an attitude, okay? It is a spirit. It is a demonic spirit. It's not from God. God does not give you fear. And let me say this, faith is not the opposite of fear. Sorry to mess up your t-shirt, but it's not. Trust is the opposite of fear. Think about it. Well, you got to have faith. How got I have faith? Well, yeah, I mean, I agree we do have to have faith. But I got to, bold faith stands on the shoulders of quiet trust. What you don't see in somebody moving in great faith is there is some trust. They've walked through some seasons of loss. They've navigated through rejection. They've navigated through discouragement and come out on the other side and said, I refuse to be bitter in a place of unforgiveness, and I will lift my head up, and I'll keep moving forward. And they've learned to trust in Jesus, the author and the finisher. So you have to establish a foundation of trust. Well, but God didn't. Yeah, I got it, but God didn't. But do you really know him? When you, get to, when you come away with him, away from the crowds and away from the worship music and away from the, away from the small groups and, away, and you just begin to spend time with him one-on-one, -on -one, God will give you his heart and he'll speak to you and he'll reaffirm to you. I've never not had a time when the Holy Spirit didn't give me an answer to something. Maybe sometimes it seemed like he was silent, but I still felt his words of affirmation, right? So learn 
The only way you learn to trust in the Lord is when it stinks really bad. I was going to say another word. When it's really bad, you get away with him and you shut the crowds out. I just got off of social media again for the umpteenth time because there's too many stories. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. That's what we're hearing. And, and we're seeing all of these stories. We're taking it on. It produces fear. It produces anxiety. Well, shut up the, the media. I get it. I'm going to pray for, for Israel. I'm going to pray for all of these things. But we have to eliminate the, some of these things because we're seeing so many threads. We're taking in so many stories every week and all of this stuff. And it, and it weighs us down. So we have to eliminate some things. We have to be disciplined in what we take in to this spirit, this temple. So that something doesn't run the table on us and run us in the ditch. Are you with me? So fear is a spirit. Let me say this. It is a false prophet. It's a false prophet spirit. You want to know why? You want to know how I know this? Because it tells you what your future is going to be. Think about it. How many of us have been paralyzed by fear and it tells us what the future looks like? Well, you've got this going on in your body. You know what that means. It's cancer. Because, I mean, that's what we do. We go to the extreme. You know what I did? A while back, probably about five, six years ago, I began to just say, okay, let's go to the end and say this is the end. I got a reason with that. that was, that's the way that I began to deal with that. And then I come back and say, God, if that's the result, I trust you. I'm, I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm not, I'm not concerned. This could be the worst case scenario, but I'm not going to allow that to rule my life. I can't worry, right? I'm going to trust. Fear can't stay where there is a trusting heart. I'm just telling you, it can't. It's the most common fear in the Bible is the fear of man. I've got 10 minutes, and I'm going to turn it into a two-parter. Here's, here's the two types of the fear of man. You ready? You have, it's really simple. You got the people pleasers. I said that really nice. It's really doormats. I, I, mean, it's, I mean, we're not trying to be, I'm trying to be serious, Laybird. Quit laughing at me. I can pick on him because he picks on me all the time. Let's just do it from the stage. Why not? People pleasers, and I don't mean this bad, but we do. We, those of us, and I've been on that side, you become a doormat. They just run over you because they know that they can. Your heart's gold. Most of the time, it's, it's a heart of gold, a person that's got a heart of gold, and people take advantage of them. Right? And then on the other side of that, you've got, your, you've got your control freaks. Okay? Your people in control, your type A. So you've got your people pleasers and you've got your type A people in control. And here's the thing I've seen a lot of people that want to put their hands on everything, and most of the time it's out of a fear that something's going to be done wrong or it's not going to be done the way they want it to be done, or they just simply like to be in charge. But the root of that is a fear of man. You can say it isn't, but it is. Because somewhere, if you can't take your hands off of it and let it go, can I tell you something? I, Pastor Bob is like a dad to me. We talk a lot, and, and he helped me a lot when I was walking through this stint of adjusting to the ebbs and flows of pastoring and the concern about, well, where's everybody at? I don't know where they're at. I'm freaking out. And, you know, it's just finally to the point you go, you, they know where our address is. We're going to shoot a text. We're going to try to do what we can. If they don't show up, I can't do anything else about it. And I just begin to reason with that. But Pastor Bob told me one time, he said, listen, Pastor AJ, he said, if the church is built on you, it's doomed to fail anyway. I said, oh, 
I perceive you to be a prophet. But it really began to give me perspective because I thought to myself, that's why we got to empower. That's why we need people to step up into positions and do things. So the fear of man, it's just slowly and steadily beginning to, 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 to it has in the years fall, begin to, uh, uh, I begin to get victory in areas that I should say and well beyond a lot of these things now. But it, it's the people pleasers and you got the people in, the, in control, you got the, the type A and let me give you a scripture here in the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 4 through 5. Um, this is uh, some good context for you. It says here, it says, now Jesus talking to his disciples, he said, now I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Now, there is a fear of man that he's addressing. He says, and after that, have nothing more that they can do. He says in verse 5, but I will warn you whom you, whom you should fear. Fear the one, capital O who, after he has killed someone, has the power to throw that person into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So that's, that's who we are to fear. What can, David said it all the time. Um, what, um, what can man do to me? King David would say that from time to time. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? The worst thing that they could do is kill me, but that's it. So the fear of man, what does it do? Number one, it snares you to man. What did I say that it was? Is that a, a, a snare is, is like barbs. It attaches itself to you. It's, it's a bait. It's a lure. You're enticed. You're connected at that moment. And uh, Jesus was talking in John chapter 12. He said this, nevertheless, many, even the rulers, believed in him because of the Pharisees. They were not, they were, they were not confessing him. So they would not be excommunicated from, this, from the synagogue. So in this in this, look at this, for they love the approval of people rather than the approval of God. This guy has been healed and delivered, and he's coming in and telling his story, but it says, for they love the approval of people rather than the approval of God. The, the Jews were so steeped in the fear of man. You can read it. There's so many stories within, within, their, um, within the gospels of where for the fear of man, for the fear of approval, that they, they were freaking out. Jesus even was talking, they come to him and said, by what authority do you do these things? And he said, you tell me. By John's baptism, was it from man or was it from heaven? And they, they talked among themselves, say, well, if we say it's from, from God, then people's going to be like, why didn't you believe him? They say, but if we say we believe the people, we'll say, why didn't you believe him? So they said, we don't know. He said, well, I can't tell you by what authority I do these things. So there was a fear of man, and they wouldn't even address and talk to Jesus. So the fear of man binds you to people. It causes you to remove God as the king of your heart. You know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in that temple, there's a throne. And there's not multiple thrones. There's only one. And the question is, who's seated upon the throne of your heart? It's, it's simple, really is. The gospel message is simple, and that is simple. Who's seated upon the throne of your heart? You fall, we fall prey to deception and manipulation under the fear of man. You decide who sits on it and what measure of influence or control they have. So I think hopefully some of you are starting to think on it just a little bit figure out what's going on inside of you. The fear of man, and here's some things I wrote down. The fear of man binds us to the thoughts and conversations of others. We walk into a room. I used to struggle with this really bad. I would walk into a room. People would turn and look, 
and see me walk in, and I thought to, and, and they would turn and look, and they were back, and, and they could have been talking about me, but I always struggled with that. For some reason, that was, that's always been a, a, a struggle of mine. So I always, and I always wanted people to, to, I always wanted people to like me. I always, I mean, who doesn't? But some people really don't care. <laughs> but there came a time whenever I was praying in here and it only got broken in prayer. When the Lord looked at, when, when the Lord, I was, I was praying, the Lord spoke to me and he said um, something to the effect of, um, he was asking me a question. You know, God doesn't really want the answer. He wants you to realize where you're at in the question. So like, AJ, why are you so scared of what people think about you? That's simple. And so I thought, well, you know, God, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to lead the charge on something here and it's so hard because I'm pastoring this church, but I'm trying to be transparent and where's the line that you draw? And, and when he asked me that question, it caused me to stop and think, and it was just like the Holy Spirit imparted into me in that moment and said, it doesn't matter if anybody likes you. Have I called you? Where have I called you? Have you embraced where you're at? Have you made a covenant with me? Have you made a covenant with people? And have you made a covenant with the land? Yes. And stop worrying. Beware when all men speak well of you. Great, God. I don't have to worry about that one, I think. Your identity under the fear of man is no longer in Christ, but you're in the thoughts of every person. They, they form who you are. God can't. That's what happens with the fear of man. You're bound, you can't, whatever, if you're leading your home, you can't lead your home. Can't lead it because you're concerned about what others think. I was talking to a guy, it's been some time ago, walked through a very hellacious season of his life and, and he was telling me, he said, Pastor AJ, I'm just concerned. All of these people, they know what's happening here. And I remember talking to the gentleman and I told him, I said, well, I said, uh, give it a few months. Somebody will do something and they'll become the talk about everything. <laughs> I said, that's the way that it works. I said, those of us that have walked through hell and we've been the, the brunt of jokes, we've been the caboose of every joke and every conversation and been the, well, can you believe what they did? I said, those of us that's been there, we ain't gonna run our mouths because we know what it feels like whenever God says, hey, do you remember? You were the guy? And so I was giving this person some, some advice and that. And I said, just hang on, just hang on. David wrote this, AJ, come. David wrote this. He said, how precious, because we're thinking about the thoughts of people. David said, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God? How vast is the sum of them? Where I'd account them, they would outnumber the sand. So that's his thoughts towards me. So stop thinking about what they think and embrace what God's thinking about you. His thoughts about you. The Bible says that he's singing songs of deliverance over you right now. He's singing over you. Here's what a man wrote. An author, he said, man becomes your meter of acceptance in the fear of man. They become your standard of success. Your joy is now tied to the fickle feelings of people. It's, it is man's approval you now seek. It is man's standard you now judge your life by. It is man's opinions and advice you now value. It is man's wisdom you esteem. So, in short, as man goes, so you go. The value for somebody else's opinion takes up the majority of your thought life more than God himself. That's, it snares you to man. We're snared to man. 
1 Samuel 15, 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 24. How many of you have ever read the story of, of Saul? David's supposed to be a spiritual father to him. You understand that David was an Ill, illegitimate child? You know, he says, I was born into sin and shaped into iniquity. That's because his father had a mistress. So an illegitimate eighth son that was put on the backside of nowhere, struggling with no doubt rejection, struggling with, uh, think about it. Your own father has put you on the backside. You're, you're supposed, the baby always gets the most. Listen, if my daughter blinks her eyes at me, I mean, I've whipped Elijah for no reason at all. I don't even know why I've whipped him. I've just whipped him because she come in there hollering about something or he got it, you know. And she's the baby. David is the baby and he's on the backside of nowhere. Not really. Somebody's going to take that serious and call Child Protective Services. Maybe sometimes. I don't know. I can't tell you. There's been a lot that's happened. But he's on the backside of nowhere. He becomes, he becomes king. Or the, the anointing off of Saul's life had lifted and it was given to David. And we know that he assumed that rule and he never once, he never once um, took it upon his own. I mean, the Lord delivered Saul into his hands multiple times. And one time he cuts a piece of his cloak off, of Saul's cloak. And David was convicted about it. And he said, I can't do this again. His old men was saying, David, he's right here. Just kill him. You can end it all and, and assume the kingship. You are the one that God anointed anyway. But he said, far be it from me. And in the life of David, it was just a life of honor. Now, we know he had his, his hangups. But prior to him becoming king, Saul was the man chosen. And he chose, he chose the voices of those around him. He was given a message, told what to do, kill them all. That's Old Testament anyway when we get into that. But uh, 1 Samuel 15 and verse 24, it says, Then Saul said to Samuel, Samuel comes up, Samuel says, What is this bleeding of sheep that I'm hearing? Well, you were supposed to kill all of these, all of these people, all that, kill it all. And he refused and he disobeyed what he was given to do by the Lord. He said, and the Lord, and, and Samuel told him, he said, The Lord's ripped this kingdom away from you. It's no longer going to belong to you, Saul. You've lost it because of your disobedience. And then when it hit him, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have violated the command of the Lord and your words because, look at this. Can you pull that scripture back up, Chad, please? It says, for I feared the people. See that? Because I feared the people and listened to their voice. And many of you, many of us, we've walked through times and seasons and I can, I can honestly say that the, the ebbs and flows of things that's, the concern about can I can I be transparent on this? The ebbs and flows of the numbers of the church, this, that, and the other. That that used to be something that used to paralyze me. It was a fear of man, and I couldn't leave because I was so concerned about where everybody was. Why are we not where we used to be? And the enemy would whisper in my ear, "It's never going to be like it previously was." And as we begin to grow and stuff, and God, because I just, I was like, "I'm choosing. I'm not going to worry about this. I can't. I can't embrace this. I can't worry about this. I don't know where." And so, little by little, in conversation with God, God began to heal areas of my life where there was a fear and a worry and a concern. But how many of us have walked out on people? 
we have turned our back on situations and people simply because we had a fear of somebody else and what they were going to think. That's a fear of man because we're looking to please those around us. It's the worst worst type of bondage because you're not yourself. You're the least like you because you're bound to someone else. Stand to your feet. I want to take just a few moments right here. And I'm going to... (laughs) I'm going to dive more into this next Wednesday night. Just two more points on this, but I want to ask the question for anybody in the room tonight. If you would, just if you would bow your heads for just a moment, just to honor those around you. Is there anybody in this room right now that you feel that anything that I've been talking on tonight is, as it pertains to the fear of man, that's, that's you? Anybody? I see hands going up. A lot of hands going up. Let me first tell you that you can be free from this. And it has to first start at the place. All deliverance, you first have to acknowledge, yes, that's me. Yes, Pastor AJ, that's me. That's what I struggle with. So as you are acknowledging it, right now from where you stand in your seats, I want you to lift both of your hands and let me pray over you. And then at the end of the service, I want the prayer teams to come up. I'm going to give you plenty of time so that you can come up if you want to receive prayer for that. And I want you, if you would, you can trust, you can trust these that's on the prayer team. And if you feel like opening up and having a conversation of what it is that you're fearing about, if it's, you're concerned about what's going to happen in whatever relationship it is. So Father, right now, God, you see these hands that's been left, whether they're people that are living in fear of what someone else is going to think. God, or what, if it would affect their relationships in, a, in a, a very bad way. God, you didn't create them to live in fear. The Bible says, as I said, that, that perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves torment. And so these that are struggling with the fear of man, it's bondage. It's an area of their life where it's bondage. So right now, I'm just going to lead you in a personal prayer of what I do often whenever I feel where God has delivered me from that, but where I feel that trying, where there's a snare been set and I'm not going to walk, whether it's through somebody's manipulative feelings and emotions, and I'll talk about that next week. So you pray in your way, in this way, you can pray what I pray doesn't matter, but Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for allowing the fear of man to control what I think, how I act, and what I say. Father, forgive me for allowing someone else that's not you to have control over my life. You are my Lord, and you are the director. What you say goes, God. So I repent of it, and I also replace it with the word of God that even as the rest of the scripture says and states in Proverbs 24 or 29 and verse 25, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be protected. So God, I'm covered and I'm protected. I decree over my life that no words spoken, no word curses, have authority 
over my mind, will, or my emotions. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I ask you to lead me, direct my steps, empower me to take a stand and see when the snare has been set. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week. Thank you.